Whether the words appear in print or pixels may not much matter to readers, but the difference is critical to book publishers. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Over the decade since the debut of the Kindle from Amazon ushered in the ebook era, the industry's largest publishers have favored paper over digital formats. The business reasons are many and complex, but in a media world going virtual at breakneck speed, the physical book has held its ground. For the latest market analysis and other news in the book world, Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly joins me every Friday, and welcome back, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So, uh, this week, the Book Industry Study Group held its Making Information Pay Seminar in New York, and in Monday's upcoming issue, you'll have a little more on some of the news delivered there, namely that the book market appears to have stabilized. Tell us about that. That's right. So in Monday's issue, we're going to take a deeper dive into a presentation by uh, MPD BookScan at last week's BISG Making Information Pay event. And a key takeaway of that was that for the first time in five years, hardcover print book sales actually surpassed ebook sales, at least in terms of the traditional publishers. And I always add that caveat because whenever we talk about ebooks, you'll find people saying, oh, but they're not talking about self-published and indie ebooks. So I will point out that we are talking about traditional Additional publishers here. That was all part of a presentation that was delivered by David Walter, who's the executive director for client solutions at MPD BookScan. And you can read all about that on the PW website uh, right now, as a matter of fact. And of course, you know, the finding leads to the inevitable question what does it really mean? Is it really that important that we're selling more hardcover books than ebooks these days? And the short answer to that is. Maybe. <laughs> you know, we've spoken for some time now, going on two years, in fact, about the supposed resurgence of print or the rebalancing of print and digital after the ebook experience, such sharp growth in the early years. But what do the figures really tell us about the market for books and reading? That question, I think, is still lingering out there. All right. So I was supposed to be asking you the question. So I will ask that. What do these figures tell us about the market for books and reading? And, and how do you answer that question then? Well, by hedging, of course, because again, I, I just think it's probably still too early. Even though we've been doing this for a while now, it's still probably too early to really tell where the formats are really going to sort of settle in that. But a few things really do jump out. And again, we'll have more on this in Monday's issue of PW. Uh, and one thing that jumps out is that Walter told attendees at the BISG event that the shift from digital back to print happened despite the fact that print book sales in the fourth quarter of 2016 were generally flat with 2015, and that print sales in the holiday season of 2016, where unit sales are usually pretty strong, were actually kind of soft in 2016. Walter also cited a, a general rise in ebook prices, which is another thing we've spoken of on this show quite a bit, to about $9 on average for a trade title. Uh, this is includes, includes backlist titles, of course. And this is all since the imposition of the agency model. And also, there's been a general shift away from the use of dedicated e-readers to smartphones uh, for book consumption. And that really is a key factor because, you know, you remember when people, and probably yourself, got your first reading device, they just loaded them up with e-books, right? You had to have stuff to read on them. So, when you got that new device, the first thing you did is you went to Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com and you just started buying e-books. But clearly, that era is over. And Walter also emphasized that the figures reflect a market that has in his words, stabilized for publishers. But again, stable is good. Right? We're always happy to have a stable, so it would be nice to have stability in, in the market. But that's really not what you're going for when you're in business, right? You really want growth. 
And while publishers have succeeded in rebalancing the print and digital markets to levels where they feel more comfortable, I, I still question whether, whether they are stifling their growth. If you go back and listen to the last few years on this podcast, we talk a lot about a trend where the major houses are becoming more profitable in many ways in the digital age, uh, as the margins are pretty great on ebooks, but often they are doing so on less revenue. Uh, now, Walter suggests that book sales aren't being lost, that people are actually who would have bought an ebook in the past at a lower price are actually turning back and buying print. But I wonder if that's true. I do question that because, to my mind, readers with access to more titles at lower prices and really convenient on their phones or digital, at least, uh, the anecdotal evidence tells me that they're going to buy more books, that they're going to spend more money. Um, so I think the next year to 18 months, we'll be able to answer this question a little better. Publishers are about to start renegotiating their their deals for with Amazon. Their two-year deals with Amazon for distribution are, are coming up in the next few months. So I think we'll probably just have to watch the next year, 18 months to have a, an idea of where we're really going with this. All right. Well, in a minute, industry stats from last fall bolster the mixed story on ebook sales. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Publishers Weekly Radio has the very best in book talk directly from New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. Join us every Friday for a full hour of exciting author interviews, best-selling books, and expert reports on the nuts and bolts of publishing. Every week, we make sure that you have the inside story of your favorite story. Take a listen at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. PW's Andrew Albanese joins me with some hopeful signs on ebook sales in the U.S. The regularity of declines from month to month have stalled and even begun showing some small growth recently. Is that still the trend? Yeah, in a matter of fact, about a month ago, the AAP Stat Shop program showed that adult ebook sales actually ticked up. And what was notable about that is that those sales were the first in which we compared agency to agency models. Those were the sales for October of 2016, which were just audited and released uh, in March of last year. Uh, now, as you may recall, the sanctions on publishers in the Apple price fixing case were finally exhausted in September of 2015. So, you know, we started thinking, okay, well, if we're going to look at agency sales to agency, sales beginning in 2016, maybe these declines that we see in ebooks are going to actually start to level off. Uh, but two weeks ago, uh, the AAP numbers for April came out, and those, of course, deal with November 2016 figures. I know this can get confusing. Uh, AAP reports and audits their numbers a little bit late. So we're looking at two November 2016 sales. Uh, and once again, ebooks posted a decline, just under 10% over sales in 2015. Now, that decline is still smaller than the ebook declines we've been talking about in the past, which have often approached 20%. But as of now, stable or not, overall sales uh, from the publishers reporting to AAP, barring a whopper of a December, which we should be getting those figures in uh, sometime in mid-May, they're actually on pace to finish down for the year. That's all books, ebooks, print, everything. Uh, and with, again, these new contracts coming up with Amazon in the coming months, it's really going to be interesting to see where things are headed for 2018 and how those negotiations go. All right. Well, so last week we were left to wonder about the fate of a bill that would make the Register of Copyrights a presidential appointee. And this week we've got some news from Capitol Hill. Tell us about that. 
Yes. So this week, the House of Representatives easily passed H.R. 1695, the bill that would make the Register of Copyrights a presidential appointee. It passed by a 378 to 48 margin. And of course, that winning margin is being hailed as a major victory by supporters, including the Association of American Publishers. You can read my article with all the reaction and all the statements on the passage of that bill on the PW site now. And I will say that that margin, as large as it was, was not unexpected. As I reported last week on this show, uh, those opposing the bill, in essence, were waving the white flag here, acknowledging that the bill had the votes to pass uh, and choosing to save their bullets for, for bigger fights on things like, you know, health care or tax reform or keeping the government from shutting down. So where it goes now is the Senate, but it's unclear as to how quickly it's going to actually progress there. We do know that the bill does have support in the Senate, but whether or not leadership will pursue that quickly, especially given all that's going on, we don't know. And of course, I will just make a few observations here. And actually, the big one is that uh, the hard part really is just beginning. You know, passing the House is a good first step for supporters, obviously, of this bill, but it still doesn't make the bill a great idea. And it's still a fraught political road ahead for this bill. And I question the wisdom of spending political capital on this bill rather than pursuing an overhaul of the entire copyright office outright. Because if this bill becomes law, you're still going to have to deal with the copyright office and where it's going to reside. And I can't imagine that's going to be easy. Uh, I'll just note that yesterday the vote came as a government shutdown looms. So whoever leads the copyright office in the future, however that person is appointed, wherever the copyright office resides, it's going to need funding and resources and attention. And despite the vote yesterday, uh, I think that's going to be a struggle on the House. You know, creating a new federal Federal bureaucracy, okay, that's one thing, but funding it, that's another. So what I see this bill doing for the foreseeable future is causing Congress to focus more time and resources on figuring out the bureaucracy of the Copyright Office rather than on the Copyright Office uh, themselves. And and one final point I'll make is that supporters are going to claim that the 378 to 48 margins suggest there really is no partisan political divide here. And there may not be as it pertains to Republicans and Democrats, but there is still a very large divide among stakeholders in the copyright arena, particularly uh, tech versus Hollywood. And suffice it to say, this bill is not a kumbaya moment. Uh, and the political capital that is now being spent to block librarian of Congress Carla Hayden from appointing a replacement to Maria Polante, you may wish you had that political capital when it actually comes time to pass real copyright reform. All right, then. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer. Thanks for joining me on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. Demand for quality journalism may be at historic levels in 2017, but demands on journalism's longstanding business models weigh heavily on reporters and publishers alike. On May 1st, industry executives gather in New Orleans for the annual Media Exchange Conference. They will have no shortage of pressing assignments to cover. The News Media Alliance works with members to develop strategies and programs that can sustain news gathering operations and the communities that rely on them. Paul Boyle manages the group's legislative and regulatory affairs. I spoke with him recently about the business of quality journalism. To produce high quality journalism where there's original reporting, uh, editing, vetting of sources, uh, you need to see uh, and explore various business models to support that journalism. And I think that's what the focus is of the futures of news. It's not just one strategy. It's multiple strategies in trying to reach 
and connect and engage with our audiences and then be able to uh, monetize our content uh, either through uh, traditional print distribution or through digital distribution. And newspapers have uh, the biggest audiences when you combine print and digital than any other media. Uh, we have certainly challenges to the business model, but the future is bright because of the various strategies and actually consumers' desire for news and high-quality real news by real journalists. The Business of Quality Journalism, next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through its relationships with those who use and create content, CCC and its subsidiaries RightsDirect and Ixis drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Thank you.